Welcome back to the Santa Cruz Baptist Podcast. I'm Drew Cunningham, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm Tyler Hurst, and I'm the associate pastor of Santa Cruz Baptist. And today we are discussing Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Well, Drew, why don't you start us off, just uh, explain quickly what took place in these verses in the text, and then what did you hope, uh, what did you want people to take away as the main point of the sermon? Yeah, so what happens in our text? Um, last week we talked about how Peter just went on the mountaintop and, uh, you know, metaphorically, I guess, and Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And he said, you're the Christ. And then he was affirmed in that. And so it's this kind of mountain peak moment um, where Peter gets it correct. Well, if that was the mountain, this text is the valley for Peter. Um, Jesus gives a list of things that must happen in his life, um, being rejected, suffering, being killed, and then rising again. Well, in steps Peter and says, um, no, Lord, that's not going to happen. And in the text tells us that he rebukes Jesus, uh, which is a word that is used when Jesus cast out demons. He rebukes them. That's the same thing that Peter is trying to do to Jesus here, rebuking him. Um, to which Jesus responds, um, get behind me, Satan, and calls Peter Satan um, because he's his desires are aligning with Satan's. Um, we see him doing the same thing that Satan did to Jesus in the wilderness and then in the, in the temptation. Um, then Jesus calls everyone around him and he tells them what it looks like to follow him. Um, he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Um, and so kind of the, the main thing that I hope people walked away from this text is, um, what does it mean for Jesus to be the Messiah? Um, it means following him in these musts. Um, these are real costs of discipleship, um, to follow him in suffering and rejection and um, killing ourself. Um, and I don't mean that in a suicidal way. I mean, denying ourselves, denying mm-hmm. um, self-autonomy, um, putting that to death, um, being selfless to follow the Lord Jesus in discipleship. So uh, I hope that people walked away with a better understanding of what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah and what it means for us to follow Jesus in a costly way. Mm. Yeah, that's so great. I hadn't really thought about this before, but one of the things that uh, draws out is just the notion that um, we are to walk like our master and should therefore ex- expect the same things as him. So exactly. it's not simply that this text is saying that I will be, if Jesus is speaking, I will be, uh, I will suffer, I will be rejected, I will be condemned. But uh, similar to, um, what is it, John 16, where he says, you know, the world has hated me, so they will ha- hate you as well. Mm-hmm. And so he's drawing a connection there. So that's really fascinating because I think one of the things that we run into is this is sort of a quintessential discipleship passage, like the take up the cross. Like, I mean, I remember going to Hume Lake in middle school and seeing t-shirts and stuff like that with, with that slogan or that, that on the logo. But how do we know uh, we're doing that? Because it can become such a part of our rhetoric where we just talk about like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm taking up my cross. I'm following Jesus. Like how would somebody, how would you suggest somebody self-assess on that sort of thing? Yeah. So 
Uh, one quote that I gave in the sermon was from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Cost of Discipleship. Mm-hmm. And um, r- first rattle out of the box in that book, he says that cheap grace is what is ruining the church. And he argues for costly grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's not adding to the gospel. He's not saying that, that Jesus's grace isn't free. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, but it was also very costly mm-hmm. in that it cost the Son of God his life. Right. And so um, the same thing in following him. Um, yes, like the gospel is that when we repent and believe... Um, that Jesus's grace and mercy and his righteousness is credited to us in Mm -hmm. an instant and freely. Um, But yet, discipleship um, is costly, and following Jesus with your life should cost you something. Mm -hmm. Um, It it will cost you something if you're actually following him. And so I think that's, um, you know, something that we were just talking through is we need to do some self-assessment in... Mm -hmm is following Jesus actually costing me anything? Mm -hmm. Um, So to what you just said, if we're following our master and following in his footsteps, and he says that he must be rejected and suffer um, and die and Mm -hmm. rise again, um, maybe running our our everyday lives through that grid um, is, you know, in in my family life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there anything that is costly in how I'm living as a husband or a wife or a parent. Um, If I'm actually following Jesus, is is there anything costly that I'm giving up to do that? Or is there anywhere in that area of life that I am denying myself and doing things differently than the world to follow Jesus in this area? So we could, we could, in a sense, say that that's sort of what um, Paul is getting at. I mean, you and I would say Paul is functionally plagiarizing the ideas of Jesus when he's writing his letters, um, but that's sort of what Paul's getting at in the specific realm of marriage when he writes in Ephesians 5, 22 uh, and 25, he says, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And then in 25, he says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Mm-hmm. And so each of those, he's taking just this generic uh, notion of discipleship Um, this big general umbrella thing, and he's then applying it specifically. What does this look like in marriage for a wife? Well, she submits to her husband and dies to herself in that way. Uh, And the husband prepares to sacrificially love his wife in putting off what he would want for the benefit of her. Yeah, so, you know, Mm -hmm. husbands, Mm -hmm. follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, how, how did Jesus live towards the church. Mm-hmm. Well, he died for her. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, as, as a husband, um, being willing to sacrifice your wants, your desires, um, you know, your comfort for your wife mm-hmm. and laying those things aside and, and putting them to death um, and, and sacrificing for the good of, of your wife, following our, your master in, in mm-hmm. that area. Um, Absolutely. So, um, you know, we could do this with so many different areas of life. Um, What does it look like to follow him? Um, We just walked through family life, but Mm -hmm. what does it look like to follow him in work life? Mm -hmm. I mean, to to run that grid through our jobs, too. Um, You know, am I just working my job like everyone else in the company? Mm -hmm. Um, Or are there ways that I am 
explicitly working as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, and doing things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, am I just punching in, punching out, and collecting a paycheck each day? Or am I doing my work excellently with all that I have in the name of Jesus um, to try to bring him honor and glory? Mm-hmm. Um, am I willing to risk being liked um, to share the gospel um, or to um, speak well of someone else at work when everyone else is talking bad about them? Mm-hmm. Um, these are opportunities to risk rejection, but to live in the character of Christ. Yeah. Um, there's so many different ways that we could think about whether it's in the home or in the, the workplace, um, in just even our, our recreational lives to think like, what does it look like to follow Jesus and denying ourselves, taking up our crosses and following him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting because I think one of the things that we sometimes neglect when we talk about this sort of self-denial, this taking up the cross, uh, this neglecting self in order to follow Jesus, is all of that sounds pretty negative. Uh, it sounds um, uh, very harsh towards mm-hmm. ourselves, and it sounds like not a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think one of the things that we see here is that um, the way the Bible, so, so to go back to marriage, the way the Bible displays marriage you would expect to see happier marriages, more unified marriages. Um, obviously, they're still going to struggle with sin. Obviously, there's still going to be you know conflict and, and hard things come up. But you would expect far more love, unity, and enjoyment in marriage in one that follows Ephesians yeah. 5. Uh, and so it's not all this talk of self-denial isn't, and you got at this a bit in your sermon, all this talk of self-denial isn't to say like, hey, just reject all of these things because that's what you're supposed to do. It's actually saying, no, you, you put those aside or you wait until the proper time for them, or you put them into their proper context, but you, you let go of these desires you have in order to live in light of the desires for which God has created us. Right. So Mm -hmm. I, I, what immediately comes to mind is like an Olympic athlete. Mm -hmm. There's certain things that those men and women deny. Mm -hmm. Um, because they're, they're disciplined people. Well, they're not just denying things. Like, they're gaining mm-hmm. um, a gold medal. Right. <laughs> they're gaining um, something that they are, are passionate about. And, mm-hmm. and in our case, um, we're not just gaining a gold medal. We're gaining Christ. Mm-hmm. And we're gaining the joy of knowing him. And right. the joy of living a life that's obedient to him, which is actually the best way to live in this world. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, that was one of my points is that we're not just denying, like God's not calling us to deny things that are good for us. Mm-hmm. He's calling us to deny things that will actually destroy us here mm-hmm. on earth. Um, and we're getting something so much better, something that's that's all satisfying and ultimately fulfilling in the person of Christ. And so right. um, it's not a negative thing to deny self mm-hmm. and to, you know, deny selfishness and to mm-hmm. deny um, living for self. Um, mm-hmm. These are things that, um, if, if we pursue those things lead to a pretty dismal life. Yeah. A way to think about it probably with more, to use more biblical language, uh, from say like Paul, rather than the language of the gospels would be what you're denying is the flesh. Mm-hmm. You're not denying, uh, your self enjoyment. You're denying yourself 
you're denying the sinful flesh that which it wants in order to follow that which Christ wants for you. And one of the things I think about, uh, one of my favorite Bible verses is uh, John 10.10, which says, For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Mm -hmm. Well, if you take a minute and think about that passage, how does the thief, who is representative of Satan in that saying, how does Satan come to steal, kill, and destroy? Well, he brought... Uh, through the temptation of Adam and Eve, he's one of the ones responsible for sin entering the world. And one of the people who tries to provoke us to not deny ourselves, to not deny our flesh, but to indulge them. And so he kills and destroys us by trying to get us to give ourselves over to those things, to give ourselves over to those sorts of passions. Well, how does Jesus come to give us life and give it to the full? Well, he dies for us. He sends the spirit to fill us. Uh, he resurrects to give new life. And uh, in doing so, he enables us to walk as God intended us to walk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So sin in general is mm -hmm. one of those things that always seems and feels good um, in the short run. Mm-hmm and destroys us in the long run. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, if we think of this in, in those terms, um, denying self might be hard in the short run. Mm -hmm. um, it might feel painful in the short run to deny self um, because self is like what I want right now. Mm -hmm. um, it's always going to feel good to, to gratify that, right. um, whatever it may be. But denying that in the short run means life in the long run. And I think mm -hmm. that's what really what Jesus is getting at. Yeah. Another practical example you brought up, athletics, before. Uh, if you guys want an example of what denying yourself, in a non-spiritual context, by the way, but denying yourself so that you can achieve something better, uh, Google Tom Brady's diet and exercise plan. Uh, this guy will go down in history, uh, much to the chagrin of 49ers fans like myself who love Joe Montana, but he will go down as the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. But there are significant questions when you look at the way in which he lives his life to go, well, am I w would I be willing to make those sacrifices for the type of achievements which Tom Brady has performed? Because he has this very onerous, intense diet, this very onerous and intense workout plan, uh, and a very regimented life. Mm -hmm. But one of the things self-denial off the field has given him has given him a, an immense freedom on the football playing field to do almost whatever he wants with that oblong shape piece of leather in his hands. Bingo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, just to, to move on a little bit, mm -hmm. um, one question that you know I asked in the sermon that I would love to uh, just throw out to our podcast listeners too, mm -hmm. um, in the, the middle of this text, I pointed out that Peter rebukes Jesus for mm -hmm. all of this. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's so easy to look at Peter and to be like, oh, what, what an idiot. How could he do such a thing? Mm -hmm. um, but each time we're rejecting all that we just said, we are essentially rebuking Jesus. We're yeah. saying, I have a better way to do this, Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, I know a better way than you. Yeah, It's helpful to remember that the way in which Mark constructed his gospel, Peter's a stand-in for us. So that's essentially what Mark is trying to draw out, right? That like, yeah, Peter's done this. So do you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you do this too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's just, you know, a question I would, would ask to our, our listeners is, um, is there anywhere in your life that, that you are rebuking Jesus through how you live, whether mm -hmm. you have consciously, you know, rebuked Jesus or subconsciously just through, you know, going with the flow and doing things the way you've always done them. Mm -hmm. Are there areas where you are rejecting Jesus's plan for your life? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important to think through these lenses and to think through what are the different spheres of my life, whether, you know, if you're married with family or maybe you're single, but you've got like a large friend circle um, or you have more emphasis or more time on your career. What are the different spheres which I see my life through, where I sort of operate? And am I living biblically in the midst of them? You know, am I pursuing excellence? Am I at work? Am I, uh, like you said before, sharing the gospel with people and risking what that would take? But uh, under the understanding, which by the way, we should mention when we talk about sharing the gospel, many people are hesitant to do it because they don't see themselves as evangelists. We love uh, Donald Whitney, uh, who's a professor at Southern Seminary, who says that successful evangelism is not getting people to convert. Right, it's not the results. Yeah, successful evangelism is the uh, exercise of sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, And so that's one of the things to keep in mind as well. But yeah, how are we living? And are we, are we comfortable holding the Bible up as God's words and instructions to us and seeing through that lens our life and whether or not we're living in light of it? Right. So... Mm-hmm. Really objective way to go about this. We were advocating on this mm-hmm. podcast, mm-hmm. Um, just examining your own heart, examining yourself. But there's a really objective way to know whether we're actually doing this. Um, and it's an old saying, but it's true. Um, there's two things that don't lie. Um, your calendar and your checkbook. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just look through... You know, how you've spent money over the last, let's say, six months to a year. Um, Is there anywhere that you're sacrificing for the gospel in Mm -hmm. that? Or is every penny that comes in spent on you Mm -hmm. um, and your comfort and your um, whatever? Um, That's really objective. You can look at it and look at actual numbers on that. And then your calendar. Um, Does your week function around you and what you want to do and your schedule and your comfort and your um, recreation and, you know, your wants, or does your schedule reflect a desire to serve others and Mm -hmm. to serve Christ specifically Mm -hmm. um, in serving others? And so those are things that, again, um, that's not subjective. Calendars and checkbooks don't lie. And so it's a good kind of metric to say, Am I denying myself in these areas? Mm -hmm. And I think, by the way, for those of you out there, because one of the things is uh, I have often struggled with a lot of self-doubt, not in the sense of like I doubt my abilities, but more in the sense of I regularly am not sure if I'm being honest with my own self. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so one of the tools to do that is uh, most devices, especially if you're operating on Apple devices, will show you screen time, how much time you spend on different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, when I was a, a kid in youth group, there would be lots of emphasis on like making sure your internet search history was fine. But one of the things we can think about now is as adults is like, well, ha- do I spend as much time in scripture as say my iPad will tell me I spent perusing ESPN articles mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are important tools to use just as diagnostics uh, to figure that out. Um, there was another thing that you were mentioning that I had thought of, but now it has escaped me. <laughs> no, I just had to, um, this is why we need Christian community mm. as well, that we often deceive ourselves on whether we're actually following Jesus in mm-hmm. these ways, but we need people around us who um, can ask us heart questions right. and ask us, you know, about 
why we're doing what we're doing and um, not in a judgmental way, but in a way that, that encourages us towards more following of Christ mm-hmm. and more denying himself. That was actually, that reminds me of what I was going to say. Uh, one of the things I think of as being really critical when we're assessing our calendar is to look backwards as well and to think in particular, because uh, this is something which I think a lot of people struggle with, is we put so much emphasis on work and so much emphasis on uh, entertainment, which is different than rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I know a number of people who really struggle with things like, uh, you know, I plan on coming to church, but I just felt so tired. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard to serve the body of Christ and it's hard to worship Christ in the ways in which he's laid out for us in scripture in terms of the gathered body. Right. If we're just not making it to church because we're so tired. And so one of the things that we might be able to self-deceive ourselves about is you look at your calendar and you think like, oh, you know, not a lot of things up there for me. You know, maybe therefore, you know, take kids to X place for, you know, soccer or drop them off at school or maybe therefore my spouse or maybe therefore my friends or something like that. But really, one of the questions we have at the end of the day is like, well, is your calendar set up in such a way in which it in, it opens up the opportunities to serve others and to serve Christ? And if you're just too tired Saturday evening to even contemplate waking up on Sunday to get ready for church, uh, then there might be some things going on in terms of your schedule that need some reworking. Right. Have I prioritized mm-hmm. Christ's bride? Yeah. <laughs> and have I prioritized others mm-hmm. in, in these things? Um, well, before we wrap up, uh, when we had walked through your sermon, there was something in it which you dropped out by Sunday, and so I wanted uh, to make sure we came back to this notion of the reference you were going to make to John Piper's sermon concerning seashells. Yeah, so uh, this is a classic sermon, and um, I hope you've you've heard it before. But if not, uh, it's something that I, I try to watch two or three times a year, just as uh, a convicting moment and, and an encouraging moment in many ways. But uh, a little over twenty years ago, uh, John Piper preached his famous seashell sermon, mm-hmm. and um, you know it, it became a, a book um, called uh, Desiring God, and uh, or I guess Don't Waste Your Life. That's, yeah, Don't Waste Your Life is the book that came out of it. But uh, in it, he, he tells this story of uh, these two older women from his church who, um, in their retirement, went uh, overseas as missionaries to share the gospel. And long story short, they get in a, a car wreck and they go over a cliff and they died. Hmm. And he just, he talks about how um, that's not a tragedy because their lives were spent um, in giving themselves for others and specifically for giving themselves for Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he pulls out this Reader's Digest clip and he talks about uh, this, this couple in Florida, I believe, who's retired early and they have a seashell collection. They have a 30-foot boat and he plays golf every day. And he, he says there's this uh, amazing poignant moment where he says, that's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not the mm-hmm. two ladies who went over the cliff, but um, spending your retirement all on yourself and on your own comforts, that's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think uh, I, I, we'll include this link in the show notes to the the clip Um it's worth listening to and just, just asking yourself is, is the way that I live my life in day-to-day, week-to-week moments, 
would that be considered a, a tragedy in God's eyes? Mm-hmm. Um, or am I sacrificing um, in what is ultimately, as Paul would call, gain yeah. uh, for Christ? And so highly recommend checking out that clip. Um, and I hope it's convicting and encouraging in many ways. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think when we think of our lives that way, uh, we open up so many opportunities and avenues for service, and those open up actually opportunities to share the gospel. So if evangelism, uh, if you think of it and it makes you frightened and you get to the edge of like, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to share the gospel with people, realize that the way in which you live your life uh, can actually prompt people to ask you particular questions, which might lead into evangelistic conversations. Exactly. When I think about um, something like that sermon, uh, a couple that comes to mind are my friends John and Susan, who recently moved out of Santa Cruz, but uh, they um, did well in the vocations that, that God called them to in terms of business and psychology and made a substantial amount of money and were able to retire early but rather than spending their late 30s and 40s and into their 50s uh, just, yeah, collecting seashells on the beaches of Santa Cruz, which doesn't seem like a bad uh, way to spend the rest of your life, uh, rather than do that, they spent themselves on really difficult college ministry mm-hmm. at UCSC's campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were they were just so loving and caring. They, they affected... Uh, gospel awareness and change in the lives of many students because of how they spent the time which God gave them in terms of their freedom from having to work a nine-to-five job. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that's good to keep in mind, and I always forget where I got this, but one time I either read or heard somebody say, uh, you know, Satan, in order to hurt the church, doesn't need to destroy us. All he does is need to distract us, mm-hmm. and that will make us ineffective. Keep us busy yep. uh, with the wrong things. And yeah, we want to be really clear. We're not saying that inherently collecting seashells or owning a boat is wrong, but what are we doing with those things? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose behind doing those things? That's what we want to be asking ourselves. And mm-hmm. so just in closing today, um, you know, we want you to be asking the question, is my life all about myself or all about Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. That's you know what it means to follow Jesus, is mm-hmm. to live a life that's all about Christ and whatever it is that you're doing. Um, and it's costly and mm-hmm. it's worth it. And mm-hmm. so we're grateful that you guys tune in and uh, we will see you again next week. Bye, see you next week. <laughs>